Welcome to Credit Union Conversations Podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, everyone. This is Mark Ritter, CEO of MBFS and your host of Credit Union Conversations. I hope you're enjoying your summer as much as I am and getting out and enjoying the outdoors and activities. And uh, for those of you in our extreme, extreme heat uh, sections of the country, I hope uh, you're able to stay indoors and cool. And uh, a little bit later in the year, you'll be outdoors a little bit more. So, It's the doldrums of summer. And let's be honest, the market isn't that great if you're in the lending business, if you're even in the financial services overall, the deposits are tough to get into. It's, you know, the lending business has been tighter for everybody with interest rates. So today, and actually our next episode, we're going to have a little fun. It's a show that I've always wanted to do. It's a show that's long enough after the events that the statute of limitations has has gone by. And it was one of the craziest times of of my life as a professional. And we're going to do the first ever two-part episode on credit union conversations because there is no way... I could jam everything that I want to talk about into 25 or 30 minutes. So we are going to talk for this episode and the next episode about PPP loans and just the craziness and some of the stories that went on and the good, bad, indifferent and the hindsight of one of the wildest government programs ever in the wildest times ever. And joining me today are two of uh, good friends and co-workers and a former co-worker of mine and two people who I consider good friends. Uh, First, we'll introduce a repeat guest to Credit Union Conversations, uh, Jeff Lyons. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks, Mark. Uh, I'm excited to be back. Uh, Jeff Lyons, I'm the COO of MBFS. I've worked with Mark uh, for five years at MBFS, and I've known him for probably uh, three or four years beyond that. And uh, I'm excited to be on this podcast talking about PPP loans. All right, next up, somebody who I go way back with, Omar Shoot from the credit union consulting firm DFTC. Omar, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell people what you're up to today without telling any crazy stories from our past? Yeah, thanks, Mark. Uh, very excited to be here today. Uh, yeah, we've known each other for probably about 20 years. Um, so it's, it's been a long time and we, we used to work together back in the day also. Uh, but yeah, right now I'm at DFTC. Uh, I've been with DFTC since uh, May of 21. Uh, and at DFTC, we do uh, commercial diligence services. So we uh, help uh, lenders with commercial underwriting. Uh, we do loan reviews. Uh, we do trainings uh, and general consulting. So we help in in in, in a different array of uh, services that commercial lenders need. Uh, so so yeah, having a great time and 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 again very uh, very excited to be on your podcast. 
All right. So let's get jumping in. And, you know, we're today it's all about PPP loans. And I wanted to have Jeff kind of set the table on what we did as far as PPP loans or anything about the industry for those of you who might not be that familiar with it. Jeff, go ahead. Sure. So that was the PPP program was put in place by the CARES Act done in response to the the COVID pandemic. And basically what it did was since everyone had to shut down for two weeks, in quotes, uh, they wanted to help businesses stay afloat and would cover salaries also for those businesses. So they put this plan in place where you could get up to two and a half times your monthly salaries for your company to keep you from firing employees and to kind of keep your business going uh, while it was shut down. Here at MBFS, we you know jumped on this. We had all gone home and weren't really sure what we were going to do. So when we saw this opportunity, we kind of jumped on it and reached out to our credit union clients to gauge who was interested in, in doing it. And, and hats off to them. Almost all of them were. And in PPP1, because there were two phases of it, we did uh, over 4,800 loans uh, with our credit union clients for $276 million. Uh, very proud of that number. Um, all told... Uh, the PPP program did about 800 billion in loans. Uh, there, you know, including that second phase of PPP too. And you know, Mark, um, when I was doing a little background and research on this, uh, a great line that I read in, in one of the reports, and it said, "The SBA did 14 years worth of lending in 14 days." So, <laughs> yes. Uh, mind-boggling so omar going back into this program we didn't know whether we were going to do 10 loans 100 loans a thousand loans or 10,000 loans and we also had no idea what the rules are how this thing was going to go what do you look, look back and remember vividly? I won't say fondly, but I, what do you remember vividly about those first few days and kind of the buildup to the program? Well, certainly not fondly. <laughs> they were scary times, you know. Um, I, I remember as, you know, things were happening, you know, the economy was basically shut down. You know, you couldn't leave your house right um uh you know basically everybody was sent home and had to work from home um and a lot of businesses didn't quite know what was going to happen um you know there was there was a lot of uncertainty uh even with people that were you know flat out afraid to leave their home um so so we saw this this program as kind of like a savior, you know, uh, you know, provide some operating capital for, you know, for those that qualify, you know, hopefully for, you know, keep them afloat for a couple of months until things flush out and there is a better understanding of what's going on. So there was there was certainly uh, a lot of uh, of hope. Uh, 
and and you know we obviously were willing to help in whatever we could uh, to make sure that our members uh, were going to be taken care of. And before I jump to Jeff, what I remember most in that lead up is you know there was a first there was I, I think it was August April third that it was going to take off or something you know April third April sixth something like that and what I remember most are all the fintechs and the banks who were jumping ahead of everybody taking applications and telling people they were getting their information and processing loans when it, the rules didn't even exist and what we needed didn't even exist. And it was utter panic because people would call me, people would email everybody saying, why aren't you processing loans? Well, there's nothing to process. Uh, and there were so many of these fintech companies jumping ahead of the order trying to get stuff done because they knew how lucrative it was going to be basically short-circuiting the entire system but and then once it kicked off that first day just the absolute panic of everybody saying you have to process it this day when we were literally getting thousands of applications wanting it to process that second and the systems didn't work so that that was that was absolutely just just chaos um jeff what about you so i hadn't really worked a lot from home at that point so i was set up in my dining room and i just remember thinking what's going on overall with the pandemic and then this thing came on this program which gave us something to kind of focus on which was a good thing like omar was saying you know, nobody knew. We were all stuck in our houses. You were afraid to go out. All the, you know, was it the apocalypse or whatever? Um, I remember my text uh, sound or ringtone, whatever you want to call it, kept going off continually and pinging. And I just remember, like, I think my eyes gonna twitch permanently from hearing this damn sound. And I had to change it like every week or every couple days because I just couldn't handle it anymore. And you know. It was still getting text messages, just sounded differently. So I remember that. And I just remember, you know, all our staff being willing uh, willing to just jump in and say, what can we do to help our, help the, the, the credit unions and also help their members? So um, that, that that's my big takeaway from that. Yeah. And, and, and Omar, as somebody who kind of uh, was one of the pivot people at, at your credit union, you know, you, we've both been in this business long enough. Credit unions tend to like certainty and clear-cut guides. Uh, and this program was a few generalities, and it seems like they made up the rules every day. Uh, and I specifically remember the rules about churches changing three times in a day. Tell me a little bit about pulling your hair out about the, uh, you know, what the rules of the program early on. Yeah, it was total chaos. I mean, you know, the program kept changing and, you know, you will call the SBA and talk to their customer service people and their customer service people didn't even know what PPP was, right? Um, so, so there was a lot of misinformation. Like you said, Mark, you know, some of the larger banks were already taking applications when we didn't even know what information we needed 
for someone to qualify for PPP. Heck, I remember, uh, you know, like two weeks after we started doing loans, you know, some, getting a call from someone telling me, hey, you know, my member is telling me that his friend already got forgiveness, you know, and, <laughs> you know, can we process forgiveness, right? So, so th there was, it, it, there was just so much misinformation and, you know, we, we, we not only had to manage the, the, the program and we had to, uh, you know, also manage, uh, the expectations of our borrowers. Uh, but we also had to basically provide a lot of training, um, and a lot of hand holding for our frontline people because, you know, they, they were just getting overwhelmed with, with calls and emails and they didn't know what to say. So I remember we even created a, we created like a, like a mailbox, uh, like an email mailbox so that you know, anyone at the credit union that had questions could send their questions there so that, and, and then we had a couple of subject matter experts, and I say it in quotations because no one was quite an expert on, on PPP, but, um, you know, to help answer some, some of that and, and, and try to keep things going. Absolutely. Abs absolutely. And it was just I, I would tell our staff, you're as an expert in this program as anybody else in the country, and you don't know what's going on. You know, when we get it, everybody gets the same information, and we're all in the, you know, we're, we're all in this ship together. But going, and I know a few fintechs were actually fined by the SBA and some different government agencies for actually jumping ship and talking about, you know, they were going to give people a better PPP loan. Uh, and there was actually some fines there. But if they really went back and, and hit the bad actors hard, uh, they, they would do a lot, lot more. So speaking of bad actors, one of the issues that we knew about pretty much an hour after this program was taking place was the amount of fraud. So it was an, a completely unforgiven unfor loan and it became very much, because of the volume, it became an automated process. And you know, when you hear about the, the, the pearl clutching and the outrage about the fraud and the waste in this program, people are like, I can't, I can't believe this happened. Well, well who, do you know who can believe it happened is the three of us on this call uh, <laughs> because we knew about it, you know, two hours after this program's launch. Uh, and, and I think one piece has stopped was our, the wall for credit unions. And that is to get a PPP loan, you also had to become a member of the credit union. Whereas a lot of these banks and fintechs, you just applied, you got your loan, you got the money. But 
for the most well for every you know credit unions could only give loans to members so you had to open up a membership account which is a lot more in-depth and intense and thorough and that was the saving grace for credit unions jeff what do you remember about the fraud and fake applications that we got hit with um so a lot of it what we would find then we would just be shaking our head so first of all i think you were right a hundred percent and once we told people when they were calling or whatever that they had to be members uh it had to have a membership to the credit union that you know you were applying to that weeded people out automatically because that was just another step of verification that of course because they're fraud didn't want to go through um but what a lot of people a lot of the fraud that we saw was people would apply in their business EIN number and then they would turn around and apply in their personal social social security number um and so that was a big issue and a lot of that you know as it moved down through the course of this 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 programs that started to change and everyone kind of caught up with that so small part very small part of that because of most of that got blocked and it wasn't big numbers uh the bigger thing to me was hearing about uh how all the money you know people's were getting these loans uh illegally and you know you're like well didn't you deposit into your your their bank account and they're like oh yeah but like five minutes later it was swept out to i don't know you know eastern eastern europe or, or china or you know it went around the world like and the money was just popping out and you're like oh that's clearly that's gonna it's gonna be fraud so we're gonna mark watch for that one um it was just crazy it was a wild west right because the government was basically printing money and yeah everyone was lining up to get some i I actually through one of my friends at the sba uh that they became aware of just farms uh basically loan fraud farms where people would just sit around in a circle applying for loans in these online portals and once they found a weak link that was where they'd process it quickest and fastest with fewest questions, they just attacked it. They just attacked that lending institution full force. Yeah. One of the things I oh, saw in, in, in some of the reading was um, the the OIG, the Office of the Inspector General, went back and reviewed IP addresses. And they had found they had this one fraud case that they had prosecuted. And when they looked further, they kept digging deeper and deeper. And it was the one IP address. And there were 161 loans attached to that one IP address. So when you talk about fraud, these loan farms, that's exactly what happened there. So Now, Omar, at the credit union you were at at the time, more of, I'll call small towns, community-based and, and I kind of look at fraud in two ways. There's people who kind of faked and doctored so they could get loan money that they couldn't. And then there was just, I'm going to impersonate somebody to try to get this loan in somebody's name who I'm not. Uh, how much fraud really did you see day to day coming through the credit union? Well, I think you hit it. You hit the nail in the head. There, Mark, because I, I think the fact that we we are credit unions and to get any type of loan you have to be a member, that provided a layer of um, security uh, to help us prevent fraud. And 
you know, for the most part, uh, everyone that we were getting applications from was local. You know, every once in a while, you'll see like a, someone from Florida or North Carolina apply, right? And you're like, you know, why are they applying here? You know, and and we will we actually have a, a, a you know a team of people that will reach out to the applicants and and will will help us you know kind of like identify fraud. Um, so we partner very closely with our uh, you know risk uh, department, um, and we were very very vigilant of that. So I am proud to say, at least as far as I know. Um, we didn't have any cases of fraud where a loan was uh, funded, you know, to someone that was, you know, basically committing fraud. So, so we were very, very lucky with that, and we we put very good due diligence in place to make sure that that didn't happen. But I think one of the drawbacks to it was that obviously, because we took our due diligence seriously, you know, we weren't moving as fast as you know at as other, um, you know, competing lending institutions. Um, so, of course, we got flack for, you know, for for not, you know, being as fast. Uh, but we we certainly took our our due diligence very seriously, and uh, and 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 I think we were able to um, get ahead of any possible cases of fraud. So here's my best fraud story. And she just pled guilty. So what the heck? I'll use the name and be specifics because eh, what's she going to do? She already pled guilty. It's public record. We got an application for $10 million for a PPP loan. And, and Omar, you know, we didn't get many $10 million applications. So it stood out and was elevated to me. So right. I call this woman and her name is Allison Baver, and she already pled guilty, so eh, I'm using the name. And she was an Olympic speed skater medalist, okay? And applied for a $10 million loan through us. So it turns out what she had was a business idea, and she sent me more documentation than anybody has ever sent for a PPP loan. But the problem was the business didn't exist. It was, you know, it was an idea and she wanted to start up this business and get a PPP loan for $10 million. And she was in conversations to start up this business. And I must have talked to her for an hour. And it turns out we were not the only one she applied to. She called the SBA repeatedly. She called other places and they all told her the same thing. This loan is not eligible. Well, lo and behold, a few months later, you know, it hits my news feed, Olympic skater for fraud because she applied for a $10 million loan at a Pennsylvania bank and got the loan and for a business that never existed. And once everything became public, uh, you know, everybody thought this was going to be blind. Let's not forget that. And then they released all the names and businesses. You know, 
of course, people looked and said, this business doesn't exist. There's no companies for it. She doesn't have hundreds of employees. And uh, she just pled guilty uh, to, to loan fraud, as did thousands of other people. But if you're, uh, what I learned is if you're going to commit fraud, don't commit it for $10 million. Uh, I am stunned that the bank didn't get in as much trouble because if you're going to give a $10 million PPP loan to somebody, I would think you'd get a little more due diligence. And we, we figured out in a short period of time, this loan was not eligible. But if you kept asking for these loans, somebody was going to give it to you. And, you know, and, and I spent more time on this loan than probably anybody else, mainly because I couldn't get her off the phone. Uh, but if somebody requests $10 million, you want to, you know, okay, make sure that they're legit. And it turns out this business was just not legit at all. So uh, we had some other fraud, but it was pretty minor. So I wanted to yeah. wrap up part one, talking about systems. Because so nobody, we, this, this program was developed and introduced in a matter of two to three weeks. And nobody had systems to process these loans, which is why you saw so many fintechs popping up to process these loans. We actually just prior to PPP came up with a loan portal and that we configured to process PPP loans and the structure actually worked pretty good. But the volume was not built for PPP volume at all. And of course, the first night or maybe the second day, it completely froze up and stopped working for hours. And I just had irate people emailing me constantly. So, you know, th this is a credit union show and we all know how important we take our systems and security and everything else. Jeff, what do you remember about the systems and the duct tape that we put together to make these program work? Uh, so our system um, worked better than I thought it was going to based on, you know, we just kind of put it together and said, we kind of pivoted and said, we can use it for this. Okay, that's great. Um, I, I just remember the confusion that everyone had, uh, you know, with everything that was going on. Like you said, the constant changes of the program. But we were trying to make a system work within the rules we were kind of given or even the rules we thought they were going to be in the beginning and, and, and modified some things to, to make it fit. And then the rules changed and then they changed hourly, daily, weekly. And, and you know, nobody knew. Jeff, that was the biggest problem because if you automated your system and you kept customizing your system, well, you could do it. And then two days later, the rules would be different. Completely different. And you're like, well, that, that's no longer relevant or needed for this, this program. Or, it, you know, we did it the best we could to make everything work, but then it wasn't, not every, not everyone fit, right? It wasn't cookie cutter. It wasn't good for everybody. There was a lot of gray area. And I think that was the, the problem with a lot of the systems. Like, like you said, you know, it came up in a couple of days and, and everyone hit the ground running and then you were just inundated with these texts and phone calls and emails and you, you know, I was exhausted every day. <laughs> Just from, just from you know, trying to help everyone out, and you know, not only from from your credit union clients and your lenders and your staff, 
but you know people were getting through to us directly and then you know wanting to move their their application through a lot quicker or they were having problems they couldn't they weren't logging in right but it, it you know it wasn't our fault it was their fault because they were logging in and applying for the wrong type of loan and it was just it was a cluster that was for sure omar tell people uh your best uh thoughts and observations how you were ready to beat your head against the wall with systems well systems was a huge huge problem um you know for you know i when PPP happened, I was working for uh, Members First uh, Federal Union here in Pennsylvania, uh, and I had the only e-tron uh, access in the entire credit union. And if you remember, you know, when PPP first got rolled out, you know, you had to use e-tron uh, to enter manually enter all the applications um you know we didn't have have a fintech uh you know like mass you know producing for us um and it was not until maybe and jeff and mark you can correct me if i'm wrong but maybe a couple of weeks after ppp got launched that sba connect started working um but 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 at first, it was just everything through eTran, and and you remember how eTran used to crash constantly, uh, and you know you had to basically log in at night uh, because it was more of a certainty that it wasn't going to crash due to higher volumes at night, and it was an exhausting twenty four seven venture. Um, and um, yeah, definitely uh, not not fun memories of that. Very frustrating. Like you said, the program kept changing. One of the biggest changes that I remember when PPP first got launched, 1099s counted as payroll, uh, right? And then like a few th- a few days after, 1099s no longer counted as payroll because they could <laughs> apply they, because they could apply on their own. Right, so we're like, well, we just process these ones that we counted as payroll. So we're thinking, how is the forgiveness going to be handled for that? Um, and we can talk about that on on two. Uh, but the program just, you know, kept changing and changing and changing. And uh, you know, speed was more important than accuracy uh, in ma- many circles. Uh, and like you, you share the story with with the 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 ten million dollar fraud. You know, I mean, we also see cases like that where we caught him, but then they got the money somewhere else, right? And then you have the call from the salespeople, you know, why did they get the money somewhere else and we couldn't do it? Why did you do wrong? You know, you know, maybe we're not, maybe we don't understand the program, um, you know, and he was, you know, kind of like, no, we, we understand the program. They should have not qualified. So that's going to be somebody's problem, but... I mean, you, not only did you spend so much time trying to understand the program and dealing with the program and trying to process all the applications and systems that will fail, but sometimes you, you, you had to uh, even uh, fight the internal battle of, you know, we're doing things the right way here, like a thankless job. Yeah, Omar what I, and Jeff, what I remember most about the systems is PPP is when I learned about automated bots. 
And I know of, I, I know, I know them personally, and I know of other companies that was just taking the applications and using automated bots to just stuff that information into PPP applications and nobody ever looked at it. And that's when I knew this was going to go off the rails big time with fraud because everybody was relying on, well, the borrower checked the box that said this is true to the best of his knowledge and nobody was verifying anything and applications were just being jammed through to the SBA with absolutely no human look, nobody touched, nobody did anything. So the E-Tran issue where um, the big banks had that that automated robot that could get through and then none of us little guys could could get a sniff of access to E-Tran and then it would just crash. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, we are halfway through. And the reason I did this as a two parter is because there's a lot more to talk about. So this is Mark Ritter from Credit Union Conversations. Thank you for listening uh, to part one of our PPP unfiltered conversation. Join us in two weeks as we drop PPP part two with the same team. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markritter.com for more information.